know about you guys. Um, sometimes when I'm driving, actually, this happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was getting my hair done. I was running a little bit late. Pastor Andrew had a, a meeting, so I'm in my car. And you know when you're like, someone's trying to come on in, and you're like, hold up, boss. Like, I want to get, I don't have time for you to come on in. Like, you're driving, and you know, it's kind of like you're driving, you're like, I don't really want to look at you, but like they're edging closer, and you're like, no, I'm not letting you in. Like, you guys know, you're, I'm not the only one that's like, no, I like back up. Like, I'm coming in. I don't have time for you. And then, or on the other side, you're the person like, can you let me in? And you're like, no, like, no, I need to go somewhere. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, I don't have time. I'm late. My husband has a meeting. But how many times God's God like, why won't you make room for me? I'm trying to edge in. I'm giving you the signal to come in. And today I'm going to speak a word on making room. And there's a story in 2 Kings 4, if you open your Bibles, and I think we'll have it on the screen today. And I'm going to, you got it? If you got it, say I got it. All right. It says here, one day Elisha went on to, the, to Shinnom, where a wealthy woman, say wealthy, lived who urged him to eat some food so whenever he passed the way he would turn there to eat food and she said to her husband husband behold now i know that this is a holy man of god who's continually passing our way verse 10 let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there put there for him a bed a table a chair a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. I love this story because it starts opening up with a woman, the Shunammite woman that is, she's wealthy. And it shows me here that no matter your economic status, you still need Jesus. So many times we think about you, we, we, the people that need Jesus might not have the finances, they're praying for financial breakthrough, but no matter where you are with God, we all need him. And what I love about here, Elisha comes and Elisha, if you look in the book of the whole book of um, Second Kings, he's doing the miraculous. Like we're gonna see him. He's gonna um, heal people. He's gonna make room for people that's a poison soup. He's gonna make the, the right before the chapter is he makes oil come miraculously in every um, container for a woman. He heals a child. One thing is we recognize in the verse it says here that that she said to her husband, "Behold, behold! Now I know that there's a holy man of God who's continually." passing our way and my point first point is greatness puts god over the grind i don't know what you I'm, i like to hustle i like to work i like to work hard but sometimes my hustle looks like the grind over god not god over the grind i don't know about you and sometimes, when I know when I was starting my career earlier on, I was like, who can I network with? I'm building my resume. I'm trying to uh, fit people in. I'm trying to like, follow people so maybe they can notice me. I'm trying to create my own platform. Also, sometimes, you know, I, I don't know to confess, but sometimes I do the drive-by devotions. Hello, anyone who's struggling? You're like, Lord, put on the podcast in the car. I can hear something. We can get a quick word when I get there. That's not how God works, though. There's something about when you put God before the grind. When you build, some of you, let's keep it 100, your phone, you turn it off at night, you put it underneath the pillow, it's the first thing. You wake up in the morning. You don't even know if your legs work, but you're, you're opening IG. Your legs can be broke, broken, and you're already, you don't even say thank you to the Lord just yet. So I challenge you, easy principle, wiggle your toes <laughs> when you wake up, 
And why don't I just say thank you, God, for waking me up? There's many people that go to sleep and do not wake up. That's the problem when you're grinding before God. You're thinking, you know what? I, I know for me, I'm always making lists in my head. Before I get out of my bed, I'm like, hey, this, this. And when my husband wakes up, he wakes up to a to-do list. He's like, already, babe? I'm like, yes. I've been up already. Like, we have to start the day. Like, I have all these plans. But when we put God first, there's something when we put God first that he can give you direction. How many times you're like, you go, you think you know where you're going, you're traveling, and an hour goes by, oh, shoot, I'm going the wrong direction. You spent your energy... The same energy you could be using going the right direction, but you didn't consult with God. And God's a great GPS. Come on, he knows exactly what's going on. And so many times we're going in the wrong direction because we haven't consulted with the great I am. Back in Michigan, I used to work in mental health at at Goodwill Industries. I would help people with severe and persistent mental health challenges, but help them get regular jobs. Working at, um, and you know, people have a stigma with mental, um, mental health thinking that they look a certain way. But you have no idea. People could look just like you and me and having some issues and challenges. And I think we need to do a better job in the church acknowledging that it's not a scary thing. That there's issues, depression, anxiety, those are all part of mental health. Mental, mental health care is so crucial for everybody on the spectrum. But you know what? I loved, my, I loved my job. My husband was doing ministry. Not only was he doing the church, but he also was taking care of our kids. Our kids were, Gabriel and Noah were like one and two at the time. And one day, he's like, babe, let's go on a date. And I was like, okay, come on. He took me to um, the pie company. And then he started to share with me. He's like, so I've been in my prayer closet. And I'm like, oh, no. Something's about to change. He's like... I need you to come home. I'm like, come home? What? He's like, I need you to quit your job. I'm like, what? He's like, you know, he's like, I cannot function the ministry and also take care of the kids at the same time. But I was like, no, no, no. Do you realize I have a full salary, benefits? I have friends at work. I cannot afford to quit my job. So then I was like, okay, I thought about it. I had made a proposal. Let me do 20 hours a week. I can do it. I can, I can work it out. I could, like, go to, well, I could like work in the morning, come home with the kids. He's like, no, 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 no. I need all of it. And the line that got me was, he's like, babe, I don't want to rob you of the blessing of raising your children. And I would never want you to look back to have that opportunity and the second thing, I, I also enrolled to do my master's. Like, you know what, why don't you do your master's at night and also take care of the kids? You're not going to be just bored at home doing nothing. I was like, I don't know. Let me tell you, I cried for two weeks, kicking and screaming. I'm like, I don't really want to do this. Because the hustle in me wants the money. Come on, let's keep it 100. I've done the budget of the house. And I was like, I don't think this is lining up, adding up at all. But you know one thing I did not do? I wasn't in my prayer closet. The man of my house was. Let me tell you something. I quit my job, put my two weeks notice. Did you know in, within a month our church tripled in size? Tripled in size. And I had the opportunity, and it's been a, I've, been, I've been very fortunate to raise and be home with my children. Um, I've worked on and off, but to raise them and also be a part of ministry with my husband, to see him walk in his full potential and his calling, because I walked in obedience, and I wasn't—I wasn't all about, I was about the grind, but he was about the things of God, and greatness puts God over the grind. And don't you know we're on the fight, in the fight for our life? Every day you wake up, the enemy's waiting, waiting for you. 
waiting for you, looking at you, saying, what can I do to throw distraction your way? Feel, you know, those, those days when you just don't want to get out of bed, even though the sun is shining, you're like, why can't I get the heaviness in the morning? And I was looking at, um, I was looking at different things, and one of the things I saw online about different rooms is there's a thing called the arsenal or the arm, armory. And an armory or the arsenal is a place where you maintain, you repair, or you create weapons. Or it can be a, a little sash, a satchel where you can keep your, your, your weapons in. And how many of you have iPhones or Androids, whatever device you want to use, you have the Bible app, but you don't even use it? How good is a weapon with no ammunition? And I know many of you, so I mean, sometimes when I don't go in my app too long, it's like it needs updating. And you realize, you're like, it looks cute, but don't you know, in, in, the, in the verse it says, in 2 Corinthians 10, 14, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You, we have to have, make time to make room in our arsenal, in our armory, to, to build the, up the things of God. What's your prayer life looking like? Does it look like a pew, 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 pew? <laughs> What's in your prayer closet? What's your worship like? When you have the opportunity to have a bazooka, come on. can build up. And it comes with it, but it comes with going over time and time and time again, building your strength up over and over again. And when I see sometimes, I used to be intimidated. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be very honest. The first three of my marriage, I didn't want to pray in front of my husband. I was so intimidated by the gift of God in him. And prior to that, I preached in Africa. I preached in the Middle East. I had the confidence, but all of a sudden when I, when I came with them, I'm like, oh shoot, you can play, you can preach, you can dance, you can rap, you can do comedy. What can you not do? Come on. Like, I felt so insecure for the first three months, three years, I did not even pray. I was like, okay, no, 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 I'm going to mumble. I don't want to pray. In my head, it sounded good, but it didn't sound properly when it came out with my mouth. And that what also happens to me that my prayer closet got smaller because I was so focused on myself and not building up my bazooka or my, the weapons of what God had for me. And we have to be a people of God that push in no matter how it feels. And it's all about consistency. It's not about the, how much time. I don't need an hour in prayer for God to do something. First of all, I don't even need God first. You, just, you don't need me. But he chooses to use me as a vessel to pour in. And I think it's so, we get so caught up in the, the time. Like, you know what? I only have five minutes. Well, use that five minutes that you know when you shut everything off. You zone in to God so you can hear his voice versus an hour. You know when you want to, you want to do the hour prayer, you want to be deep, you're like, oh, yeah, I have to do this tomorrow. Oh, Lord, sorry, I am praying. Like, is it, is it, just, is it just me? Like, is it just me that I'm like, I'm praying, like, oh, yeah, I was praying. Oh, yeah. Or when you do the before the night, uh, before you go to bed and you fall asleep, I'm like, oh, shoot. I thought I was praying. Like, seriously. Like, Lord, I'm so sorry. Like, so, I do love you. I do care. Like, please don't hinder my prayers from that. Please. Right? But I challenge us. Open your, uh, the thing is about our apps. An app is just a Bible app, but open that sucker up. I'm going to tell you what God can do through the Bible version app. Come on. So much things. Open it up. Go in it five minutes a day. Start making room maybe 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, that you start falling in love with God's word. Beef up your arsenal for God. 
And so later on the text, we'll go back to the text here. It says here is, um, the text here, it says, she goes, behold, Wolf for nine. And she said to her husband, behold, now I know that this holy man of God was continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. So that whenever he comes to us, he can go there. So she gets there. She's, she's like, you know, I want to do something for the man of God. And my second point is, is making room, in your, making room in our lives is not always about subtraction, sometimes about expansion. She goes to her husband, boo, let's go HTV tonight. I see the man of God, he needs something. I need to call Ikea. What I love about that is she uses her own resources. She wasn't like, sometimes when we think about making room, it's taking away. But she's enlarges her capacity with the resources that she has. And, you know, when we go deeper, a lot of times, like, I got to move music. I got to move, like, you know, my food habits. Like, no, no, think differently. Where in my life I can increase my capacity for the Lord? And so she, she creates this, you know, this room with walls. It wasn't just, like, you know something on the top of the, like, the roof. Like, she's like literally legit makes an amazing room for the man of God. And what I love about this woman, she had discernment. She, just, she checked him out a couple times. She was like, what, you know what, I see something in him. You know, I want to go deeper. I want to do more for him. And what I love about it, she was like, okay, made an expansion. Let me do the numbers. Rent. Hmm, I can probably make $500 off the room. Come on. Hustlers in the room. Trying to make a dollar. She doesn't charge him. She says, I want to sow this into him. I want to make a way for him and not for my benefit. How many times we want to do something, we're we're looking to collect the check on the benefits, the blessing that will benefit us, and we're not always thinking about the person itself that we want to do something for. We live in a selfish, and I'm, I'm there to add to it. I'm always thinking, well, I'm always looking for what can I get out of it too. But I love that you can check her heart. Her heart was pure. She was looking for a way to serve the man of God. And what I love about this, she, because she wasn't looking for anything on return, in the society we live on today, we're always looking, if it doesn't happen on Instagram or Facebook, it ain't happening. Like, I know sometimes, I'm going to be really honest. I was like, I went to the gym, like, oh, shoot. I didn't take my picture. I wanted to, I wanted to post. I look cute today. Had the running shoes. Asked those guys, when I was doing the half marathon, I was like, what's my outfit going to be like? I can't wait for the after pick. Like, I was all focused on the after pick because, you know, there's something about you almost feel validated or feel like you actually accomplished something when the audience is, the audience is watching you. But I love about this woman, she wasn't trying to be a shiro on the gram. She was trying to be a servant for the great I am. She had the heart of the master that she saw an opportunity. She had discernment. She made some room for the man of God. And what I love is that she didn't just keep it there. And she had an opportunity, an opportunity for more. And later on in the text, I'm not going to read it, but it said that, you know, when Elisha was in his room, it said he was resting, he was chilling. And he said, you know what? He goes to his servant, um, Gehazi, bring the Shunammite woman to me. She comes. He's like, yes, what would you like? He's like, 
you know, you concerned yourself so much about me. What can I do for you? And she said, I'm good. My household is good. I don't need anything. So she leaves. And then he gets to serving. You know what? What can we do for her? What can we do for her? She did such great things for us. And Gehazi goes, you know what? Her husband's old. And she doesn't have a son. So he calls back. Call back the woman. She calls back. And he's like, woman of women, I'm going to bless you with a child. And he's, she's like, don't, don't play me. She's like, don't play me. Please don't play me. He's like, no. Next year this time, in the spring, you will have a child. And it happens. And what's so amazing about that is she wasn't looking for the benefits, but because she made a room for the man of God, God honored her request that was in her, in her deeper heart. What I love about it, she, wasn't, she was content she could, and she knew what she could have... Trust me, if the prophet's coming in, I'm asking for everything. <laughs> I'm not coming out empty. If I, need, if I need money, if I need children, if I need shoes, I want to get it all. I made a room. I spent my money. Come on. And she was like, she first said no. And the other request that he asked her is, do you need me to talk to the king or something? She said, no, 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 I don't need anything. And she, he comes back and she gets... She gets a child, which is the miraculous, because she made room for somebody. Point number three. A natural seed is often a supernatural setup. Often. Something so small you think insignificant be a setup. I think about, about three, three years ago, my husband, I've never seen my husband this sick before, ever. He had a really bad sinus infection. He was homesick. It was March break week. I remember I took the kids out to play basketball. And you know, my husband's one of those people that just really checks on people. I don't know if you get a text from him where he's always, I'm praying for you. He actually literally does it. It's not one of those cute sayings. How many people have you said, I'm praying for you, and you don't even do it? You lie. <laughs> but he keeps it. He honestly, like, he really is a man of integrity. He walks out and does it. And so he, and he's like, you know, and he was sick for two weeks. It was bad. And he said, you know, he's like, he's like, babe, I think this is different. I think this is like demonic attack. I feel we're on the break of something. I don't know what it is. And that day he texts someone. He's like, hey, you know, how are you doing? Just, you've been on my heart. How are you feeling? And the guy goes, so do you need a car? He's like, mm, I'm just calling to check how you're doing. Like, he's like, I just bought a brand new car two weeks ago. And I God put in my heart that I want to give you my old car. Mind you, guys, I drove from California, my two-door Honda Accord, with my two sons while I was about three months pregnant with my daughter. And we had her that December, and it was a struggle to get the car seat in the two... I had it all, we always had to climb all the way in to buckle that joker in. And, but we didn't want to get a loan. You know, we tried to be financially debt-free, and so we were just praying for God to make a room for some way. And let me tell you, that phone call opened an opportunity that he was genuinely just checking on the well-being of somebody, that we got that car. We even went to Service Can and it said zero dollars. We didn't even pay sales tax, like literally nothing for the car. But that's not it. Do you know that the person didn't know? It's, it's three years later and we're pulling a trailer on the back of that same truck that makes room for you to come every Sunday morning, experience life change, experience the gospel, by one opportunity that someone did a natural seed that set up the supernatural. You know, we've had over 100 salvations in 18 months. 
making room for God to do the supernatural. Don't ever underestimate what God can do with your little and that keeps on giving and keeps on going. I want to go back to the story because in, in um, 2 Kings 8, I want to read it. I think we have it here. 2 Kings um, 8, verse 1, it says, Now Elisha had said to the woman, whose son he had restored to life. I'll pause for a second. So right after the next chapter, her son dies. The same one that she, um, he uh, blessed her with. He restores the child back to life, which is a miraculous. He was in the field. He got his head cut. And she runs to get him. And the man of God, Elisha, comes, heals him. And so she has her son back, which is amazing. So let's go to chapter 8. And it says, Now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and depart with your household and sojourn wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. And the woman, she gets up. Let me tell you, from that one opportunity of making room, she gets a son. Then she gets insight, hey, the Lord has spoken, and there's about to be a famine for seven years. Pick up your family, go to another land so you cannot be hungry. She goes there for seven years with her family. Does not feel lack at all. She comes back to the town. She comes back to the town, and she's lost her house. She lost her land. And she gets there, and she hears the king talking to Gehazi, the the servant. I want to read it right here. And she says... Uh, in verse 2 so the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God so she went with the household and sojourned in the land of Philistines for seven years and at the end of the seven years when the woman returned from the land of Philistines she went she went to appeal to the king for her house and her land now the king was talking with Gehazi the servant of the man of God saying tell me all the great things that Elisha has done the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed uh, sorry, appealed to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, here is a woman, and here is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she, to- she told him, So the king appointed an official for her, saying, Restore all that was hers, together with all the produce of the fields from the day that she left until now. Let me tell you, when Elisha came the first time, he's like, do you need me to go to the king? She's like, no, 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 I'm good. Seven years later, she goes back to the same king, the same king that she gets an opportunity. She, over, she walks in over the king talking to the servant. And it's like, what's Elisha? How is he doing? He's like, well, actually, look at, look, look at the shirt that woman. She's actually, he raised the, uh, the son to life. He, um, he'd given her an opportunity, and she said, So she has an opportunity to talk to the king about um, her house. And so you imagine that he preserved and gave her back seven years of things that she lost. And I want to go back to it again. From a decision she made to make room for the man of God. Creating her resources, creating capacity for somebody else to make a way. And I'm constantly checking my heart. What have I done What legacy am I leaving? What have I done that other people can feed off of? Let me tell you this. 
I want to have a super. I want to have a natural seed that it might leave my hand, but it'll never leave my life. That's the perspective we should have. Is you know what? I might not be the benefactor of the seed that I let go, but somebody else might be. And that's the perspective we need to have when we let go. Trust me, letting go, letting go sounds cute, but when you really have to do it, it ain't fun sometimes. But I want to have the heart of God to do that. And not only that, you know, a couple years ago, my dad, when I first moved to Toronto, you know, we moved to Toronto and uh, he shows up at the house. You know how Merv does, you know, just comes in, (laughs) walks in, you know, walks in, unannounced. Dad loves to do that. We always smile. It's so good to see him. He comes and he says, you know what? Uh, Come out, come out, come out, come out. I'm like, oh, what do we have, Dad? Well, Dad, my dad bought a, um, a basketball net for the boys. And, uh, you know, we, set the, the, we got the sand, we put everything up, and it was a simple basketball net. Simple basketball net. But do you know it's been three years we've had the basketball net, and all the community kids come to my house? Because I'm the only one on the street that has a basketball net? Do you know that we have two of the kids on our street that tend our church with their families? A seed of a basketball net is now I'm, li- I'm seeing the kids come home. Oh, I'll see you at church next week. I'll see you at school. I, I say here, don't underestimate the materials God has placed in your possession that can be used as a pathway to the miraculous. Don't ever underestimate the seed that you have. It might be just a, a pack of gum helping someone with bad breath. Come on. <laughs> next thing you know, you're talking like, ooh, actually, I'm interested in this person. You're single. Come on. And it all started with a pack. Next you know it, two years later, married kids left. I'm like, dang, pack of gum. The power of something so small, we underestimated so much. We underestimate so much what God can do with the small things in our lives. We're always looking for the big things. Where's God? Where's God? We're missing God in the small, in the light of the day, the sun, the fact that you're breathing, the fact that I have life, the fact that I have education, the fact that I have friends. There's people locked up in the prison that have nobody in isolation. And we are free. And sometimes we don't walk in freedom. And you know, one of my favorite texts is John 10.10. Prior to the text, it says, the devil's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Lord, he wants to give his life more abundant. And one of my heartbreaks is, is Christians that are not living the abundant life They're free, but they're walking as if they're bound. What a disservice to the blessing of God when you can walk in freedom. God has so much in store. We're always looking for the big break, the big break. Let me tell you, someone that has their big break on YouTube or on social media or or up there, it started being faithful in their basement. The small days when no one saw them grinding, you know, making that music. It's not about, and you know, I think about, you know, the superstar, it's a, ten, it's a 20-year hustle. You just see the now. Uh, that's, that's the benefits of social media. You don't, Pastor Angela, you see, oh, he's preaching so good. I remember, oh, I'm going to tell on him. He's going to be so bad. Let me tell you how Pastor Angela's grown so much. I remember when he had to write, he couldn't even do a message without looking out of his notes. That he had to write, oh, I should say, oh, yeah, here. Like, he was so nervous. He was so nervous to preach. He's grown. 14 years of preaching, you learn a little something, something. 
And so when we see Pastor Andrew getting all excited, you know his move, right? You know his move. There's something of 14 years brewing, laboring that he's been by the little, and you know what? Also, and the small opportunities. Like, you know, Pastor Andrew last week preached an up north at a camp. He's about, to preach next, he's about to preach the next five days, 13 times to some youth. But he's like, you know, he's not looking at it like, oh, they're just youth. Oh, no. I don't want to take that opportunity. I want to preach to the big people. He's like, no, no, no. I have the opportunity to, you know, and even though a child has the same Holy Ghost and as a grown adult, it's no junior Holy Spirit. God works in one. He's full, full. And he, he has an opportunity to flame that, the flame, uh, fan the flame in the hearts of those young people. He's believing. He's already been praying for that. I'm believing. And so we never have to despise the small opportunities. Some of you want to be preachers. Some of you want to be speakers. Some of you want to be business owners. But you don't want to clean no floors. You don't want to start no humble beginnings. You want to look like I'm already established. That's the problem with social media. I respect more people when I see the hustle. I don't want to see people just established, like, because what happens when I see the people established, what I feel like, I can't make it. I can't do it. Like, I don't know. They're just so good. You know, they probably always was speaking that way. They probably always can play the guitar that well, you know, but they've practiced. Like, many of you don't know, but I play the guitar. I play the, I play the, um, the piano a little bit. If I put the time in, I can actually be really good because I can hear things. I can read music. I spent a couple years in, in, um, taking lessons. But the problem is, I haven't put my time in, but I'm looking over at that person like, dang, you're good. But the problem is, I'm not willing to put in my time for God to do something with that. And I know that sometimes, you know, we just want to be, um, we just want to be the person that's always um, sometimes you know, serving or you feel hurt, you know, you feel like you want to be the one that people look to instead of being always pouring out. And you want to be like, why didn't they make room for me? Don't you know that I've been struggling? Don't you know that I need prayer? Don't you know that I've had a rough week? Don't you know? But don't you know there's something when you serve other people, when you intercede for other people, that God can really bless you for just making room for others? And as we prepare next week for our fast, Go deeper. Enlarge your, your capacity. You know, I know meat and dairy can be so hard for people, but why don't you activate your faith? Take it to a next level, up a notch. Even if you fail the first day, there's day two. If you fail on day two, there's day three. Try. Keep get back up again. Try. Just like, God, I want to give you the first five minutes of my day. And when you feel, and that's the thing about fasting, when you feel that like, oh my gosh, I need a chocolate bar right now. It's like, I'm going to take that moment to pray. Every time the urge comes, I'm going to pray, Lord. Give my strength. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, make room for God to do the miraculous.